Here's the question I have for you. Are you called to ministry? As I mentioned, we're going to, at the end of this message, we're going to be uh, ordaining Pastor Nick and affirming his uh, call to, to pastoral ministry. But I want to ask you as well, are you called to ministry? Maybe you're thinking, well, okay, I am called to, to, to ministry in general. Well, let me be more specific. Are you called to church ministry? And I'll tell you this. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're born again, I can tell you the answer is definitely yes. You are called to ministry. And I'll take it a step further. You are called to church ministry as well. And I want to spend this message uh, explaining that. I want to prove that to you from Scripture so that you, we all see this and that this can start shaping and impacting our lives. So as we think about this topic of your calling in the local church, uh, the first point of two that I want to uh, describe and explain to you is this, that every Christian is called and equipped to help fulfill the mission of the local church. That every Christian, that this applies to. And we're going to see that you're called to this, and you're equipped in order to do this, to fulfill the mission of the local church. So we get into this. Let's read Ephesians chapter 4. There's a lot we can pull out of this. We're not going to be able to pull everything out as much as we could if we were... Uh, just walking through this passage. Ephesians chapter 4, and we are going to read 1 through, all the way through uh, 16. It's Paul talking to uh, Christians at, at Ephesus. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but notice it's it's talking about calling here. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism— one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Verse 11, and it talks about these these gifts that that he gives, uh, specifically to the church. Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and and deceitful schemes. Rather, 
speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I'm going to pull a few things out of this. There's a lot in there we could think about, and I hope you spend time uh, meditating on that. But at the very beginning of this, notice it talks about calling. And it, it talks about that a few different times. We've been talking about this, uh, this idea of, of callings. That this isn't just uh, this idea of you, you have something in your heart that you feel and you have this, this longing, but a calling it comes from outside of you. That this is something that God is calling you to do. There's something outside of you. There's something objective uh, that, is, that is about this. And in this series, I want to recap a little bit because this will, I think, really help all of us as we think through this. We talked about there is uh, the, the ultimate calling that we all have. And then there are subordinate callings that, that are part of that for us. They're not separate callings, but they're part of that. And so if we think of the ultimate calling that you have as, as a Christian, you were called to, to follow Jesus Christ. And there's ways we can describe that. Are the language uh, part of it is is living for His glory. It's it it is loving Him, uh, but we're called to be disciples. And disciple means it's a follower. You're saved and you're following Jesus Christ as as your Lord, as your Savior. And so, if you think of your life, this this is the the whole thing is about no matter what you do, uh, day in day out, uh, seven days a week, all the time, you're fo- trying to follow. And love Jesus Christ as your Lord. So this is what we call your, your ultimate calling. So your ultimate calling is to follow Jesus as Lord. And God has also given you various subordinate callings that are included and governed by your ultimate calling. And God works through these subordinate callings through you uh, for the good of others in these, these other callings. And there are four common ones that we can talk about. We've talked about in the workplace. God has called you to a, a probably to, to a vocation. The word, vo- calling, the word vocation actually means calling. And so you serve God in, in your workplace. If God has called you to that, whether it's in or out of the home, and uh, you're, you're contributing to society. You're helping your, your neighbor through that. And it doesn't mean you have to be uh, specifically you know, employed by a church to do this. You know, if God wants to help, you know, make sure people get fed and have houses, he needs people to harvest the fields and bake bread and to, to build houses. And so as long as you have a, a, a legitimate job, that you are contributing to that work, and it's good and honorable. It's not this lesser thing. But then we're going to talk about today, you also have a calling in your, in your church. believe Specifically through the, the local church. Now, if you're a Christian, anything you do, in a sense, is you're being uh, called as, as a Christian. There's the concept of the universal church. And so even as you go through your life doing whatever you do, God is, is working through you in that. And there might be even in this a, a diagram that we're talking about, you know, these callings, they're not necessarily in a certain order, and they're not always the same size, and there might be different periods of life where one is going to... Uh, take up more of your time and effort than others. You know, there's other things that are not necessary callings, but they're part of your life. And as you go through life as a Christian, everything you do, you're doing it for the glory of God. 
But we're going to see in this message that I believe that you are also specifically called uh, to minister in and through the local church, specifically for the, the mission that God has given the local church. So I hope this idea of the, this ultimate calling and these subordinate callings that are part of it, because God is telling us to do these other things. So if we're following Christ as Lord, it means that we're going to uh, you know, be good workers in the workplace, doing everything for the glory of God and for, for the good of others. We're going to be fulfilling the mission of the church that God has given us. And in other weeks, we're going to see it also means uh, fulfilling your role in your family and being a good citizen in the community that God has, has put you in. So we are to, to live out, as it says in verse 1, uh, Paul urges them to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. God has called you to follow him, to be his disciple. Live that out in the right way. Now, if we say that every Christian is called to fulfill the mission of the church, well, we've got to say, what, well, what is the mission of the church? And here I'm talking about specifically the mission that God has given um, specifically to the, to the local churches. The, uh, as we come together, as, as we organize, as we uh, have the mission that God has given us, and yeah, there's a broad sense where everything we do is, is following him, but there is a specific, concrete mission that God has given us through the church, and we have to take this into account. Yeah, there are many good things we do. There's a sense where you can plant your garden to the glory of God. But if it's just a matter of planting your garden, and you, and you miss what we're going to be talking about here, uh, we're missing kind of the, 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 uh, an essential thing that God is calling us to do. So we think about this, we think about what is the, the mission of the local church, different ways we could say it, but I'll say it here right now. The mission of the local church is to make disciples. And I'm going to show you, the Bible says this very plainly to us. And a disciple is someone that is saved and following Jesus Christ. And those two things are, they're, in a way, it should be redundant. You're saved and following Jesus Christ. You really can't, shouldn't, separate those two things. Something's wrong if you separate those. So, and we do this through evangelism and discipleship. Evangelism is calling people to trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. People that are, it's our mission to those that are not saved yet. And discipleship then is helping people grow as followers of him. You know, learning more about what God says in his word and living this out in every aspect of our life. Uh, learning to, to worship him more and to uh, to treasure him in your heart and have that be lived out. And we see it also means bu- this results in building up the body of Christ, and, and it's all for the glory of God. We've seen some of that language in Ephesians where we just read, but another place that's really clear about this is this uh, passage that's called the Great Commission that God gives to disciples. And yeah, it's given to the original apostles, but in this section here at the end of Matthew, calls them disciples. And this isn't just to them, this is to all of us. And Jesus tells them, tells us, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that's how the Gospel of, of Matthew ends. So we see that, I mean, this is kind of a non-negotiable thing. 
Everything we do is for the glory of God, but there is a specific mission that is part of the local church. And if you are a Christian, you're called to be part of the local church and be part of this, this mission. And I'm going to prove to you that God has called you and equipped you to be a part of this work. So again, there's, there's many good things that we do in our life, and we serve our neighbor, and we do all these things, and we want to do good to other people. But if we're missing this part of what we're doing as well, we're, we're missing a part of God's calling for all of us. As we think about this, this is something that we decided is officially the mission of this local church. And there's different ways you can word this, but the way that we have worded this as a church in our, our mission statement is that the, the mission of FBC, our mission, and we have a lot of M's in here just to make it memorable, the, our mission is to magnify the glory of God. So ultimately everything is for God's glory. Everything points to him so that we see him, we treasure him, that, that he is lifted up because that's what he deserves. Everything is for that. And then we do that through these two ways, evangelism and discipleship. In our statement, we say by multiplying and maturing followers of Christ. That's just evangelism and discipleship. That is uh, calling people that are, are not yet saved, uh, bringing the gospel to them, imploring them to trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If you have not done that yet, I implore you to do that, to turn to him. And the only one that can save uh, any of us from our sins and trust him. And then we want to mature. We want to grow as, as Christians, as followers. And that's a lifelong process. So if this is the mission of the local church, and if Christians are supposed to be part of a local church, you are called to be a part of this work. And so a second sub-point here, just to, to make this clear, every Christian is called to minister in and through the local church. It's not just the pastors, okay? It's not just the, the church staff, although it can be easy to think that at times. And in the Middle Ages, uh, in the uh, churches that, that in the Middle Ages, it, it was viewed that there were only certain people that had this special calling, in fact, they didn't use calling or vocation for the, the common folks. That was for the, the priests or maybe the monks and the nuns. They had the special calling. They were the ones serving God. Everyone else, you know, okay, somebody's got to plow the field and do all that type of stuff and raise children. You know, but the, the special people, they get the special calling. No, we're going to show that this is, this is for every Christian. And, you know, even sometimes today, uh, even a lot of Protestant churches that would claim that it's supposed to be every Christian serving, the way that sometimes churches come across, you come to watch the show. You come to watch the people that, that put on the show and you sit in the audience and, oh, that's a really nice thing you're doing. You watch the people do the ministry. No, that's, we're going to see that's not how it is. And so back in the Ephesians passage, part that I want to pull out and really have us look at is uh, verses 11 and 12. Notice this is talking about uh, Christ uh, giving these, these gifted individuals to the church to build up the body of Christ. And it says at the beginning, and he gave the apostles and the prophets. And in prior messages, we've talked about this. Ephesians uh, 2.20 talks about the church being built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Uh, that they're given uh, this kind of foundational era. 
But then there's this tag team effort as it goes. Uh, you, we, we still depend on uh, their ministry and the writing of Scripture. Uh, then you also have the evangelists and people that are taking the gospel uh, to others, you know, missionaries planting churches. And then it talks about pastors and teachers. Or here in the ESV, it translates it very literally as, as shepherds and teachers. Uh, that's what a pastor is, a, a shepherd, uh, somebody that takes care of the sheep. And think even the word pastor, um, you think is you know, someone works out in the pasture, okay? There, there's a connection there. Uh, so a shepherd and teacher. And by the way, the way that this is worded um, in the Greek, shepherd and teachers are not two different things. Uh, I won't get into all the technicalities of it, but it's kind of like a linked thing, like shepherds and teachers. So it's kind of one role. And so, you know, there's uh, kind of a combination job that, that pastors have with to shepherd and to care for the sheep and to teach the sheep. And that's what we do when we, uh, we try to feed you with God's word that we, that we need, a key part of the calling that, that God has for us. Then the passage goes on and it says, uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry and for building up the body of Christ. You know, it's a lot of things that we've, we've already talked about. Now, if that's how it is in the ESV. In some of the, well, in the, in the King James, and I'm not saying the King James is a bad translation or anything like that, but the way that they uh, punctuated this with the punctuation for many years maybe gave some people the wrong impression. Now, the punctuation in Scripture is actually added later by the, by the commentator, by the translators and the editors. Okay, so that's uh, not in the, the original, but I want to show you this. Uh, it uses some slightly different words, but where it says he gave the, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints, and in the King James, there's a comma right there after to equip the saints. I think, well, what does that matter? And maybe it wouldn't have to, but the impression that this, I think, has given many people, if you think of this, that God gave pastors, shepherd teachers, okay, and he gave them, well, what's the job assignment for pastors? Well, it looks like there's three things that we are called to do. One is we are to equip the saints, Okay, and by saints here, we don't mean just, you know, uh, Mother Teresa or special saint, this or that. We, every, according to Scripture, every born-again Christian is a saint. You are holy in the eyes of God. You are a saint. This is talking about every legitimate, real uh, Christian that has trusted Jesus Christ. So we're called to equip the saints. And then the way it makes it look, if you put the comma there, okay, then the second thing that pastors are supposed to do is to, for the work of ministry, so we're the ones, we do the work of ministry. And you can watch us do the work of ministry as we do the work of ministry. And then we're also called to build up the body of Christ, to, to, to build you guys up. And I think many people, that's uh, their, their mindset. That's the pastor's job to do all of these things. But now other translations have realized, wait a second, I think putting a comma there can be misleading and it doesn't fit with the grammar and uh, we won't go into all those details. But notice the difference this makes if you take out that comma, okay? If you do that, now it says the job of the pastors is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's a huge difference, isn't it? I mean, that changes the, the mindset of everything. 
Because instead of it being the job of the pastors to you know, equip and to do the ministry, that means it's our job to equip everyone that is a part of the church for all of us to be doing the work of the ministry. And it doesn't mean we're all doing the same thing. We each have our part and our role to play, but our job is to, to equip so that you and all of us, as we go through life in and through the church and everything, we're doing the, the roles that God has called us to do. And if that's the case, that means that, yes, God has called you to ministry. And a part of that is he called you to this, fulfill the mission of the church, to make disciples, to build each other up. And part of being a disciple, we're caring for each other. All these things that God calls us to do, to encourage one another more and more as the day draws near, all of these different things, ministry that we're to do one another. It's not just us doing it, it's all of us doing it. If you, if we put this, to give an illustration, uh, there, there used to be a day when you'd watch, let's say, football, and there were people in the stands. Not cardboard cutouts, but, you know, actual people. Uh, it's so weird watching games and just the piped-in fan noise and all that, and there's nobody there anymore. Uh, it's just a strange 2020. Okay, but I think the way that for many people, if they had kind of the different understanding of this, they think, okay, church, it's like going to a football game, and the, the regular people, you come, it's like you're sitting in the stands, and you go there to watch you know, the, the, the ministers, the, the pastors, the, the staff, you know, put on the show. And to do the work of ministry, that the pastors were the ones on the field doing all this, and the, the congregation is in the stands, and your job is to come and watch and applaud and uh, to do that. But if we revolutionize things with this mindset, it changes where you are, isn't it? Is your job to sit in the stands and to watch? No. Your job is to be on the field playing, not watching. You're, you're participating. You're, you're the, the players in uh, this work, in this contest that's going on. And so the pastors, instead of being the, uh, the, the star players in this, it's kind of like we're more the, the coaches helping to, to organize and to equip and to help each person in the church to do the job that God has given them to do for the work that we are called together to do as a team. So every Christian is called to minister in it through the local church. And God doesn't call you to something without equipping you to do it. So the Bible also teaches that not only are you called, but every Christian is equipped to minister in and through the local church. And we can see this in passages. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about one of the passages, God giving spiritual gifts to all of his people. And you can read through the, the whole thing when you have time, but you see one of the things there is that God gives all Christians spiritual gifts. If you don't have a spiritual gift that's to be used to build up the body of Christ, it means you're not a real Christian, okay? Uh, God has, has given this to you, to all of us, for this common work. In one place it says, starting with verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts, Okay, because not everyone is gifted in the same way. Just because you see someone else and think, I can't do what that person does, doesn't mean that you're not gifted. You may be called to do something else. Varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all to everyone, to all Christians. 
to each, to each Christian, so if you're a Christian, you are included, is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? For yourself? For selfish reasons? No, for the common good. And we read on in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 12, it uses the language again, to build up the church. That's why God gives you uh, your spiritual gifts. So now, if all Christians are gifted to build up the body of Christ, okay, that's true, and since all real Christians have spiritual gifts, all Christians are called to build up the body of Christ. So you have been given a gift. The purpose of the gift is to build up the body of Christ, be part of this work of evangelism and discipleship. That means, it has to mean that you are called to participate, to use your gifts for this work of that God has called the local church to do. And it, like I said, it might be different for everyone. Uh, there's different roles that we play. If you think, and Paul talks about it that in the... 1 Corinthians 12, you know, if everyone wanted to be an eyeball in the body of Christ, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be pretty dysfunctional. You know, back to the football illustration, if everyone was like, we want to be just all quarterbacks, have a team of nothing but quarterbacks, you know, even if they were the best quarterbacks there are, that team is going to get uh, destroyed by the other team. It just can't work that way to have nothing but quarterbacks. They have different roles. I was watching a game this past week, and uh, one of my younger boys were talking about this, and uh, the other team brought on uh, you know, their, their kicker, and they're saying, look at the guy, he looks like really skinny. He's got these like, skinny arms. I said, well, yeah, his only job is to come out and, 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 and kick and to make field goals. And like, that's his only job? Yeah, but you know, depending if he does that well or not, they win or lose. And so in the church, we're called to different things, different specialties that we have. And God has equipped you and he's put you in different positions in order to fulfill those roles. And we all need each other to do that. So yeah, everything you do as a Christian is part of your ultimate calling to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and to live for his glory in everything that you do. And yes, this includes building houses and baking bread. However, every Christian is also called to be a part of the specifically redemptive mission of the local church in some way. And especially according to the way that God has equipped and positioned you. So before we move on, I just want to ask you, as far as an obvious application to this, ask yourself, how are you helping to build up the body of Christ? How is God working through you, is he, to do this work, to make more and more mature followers of Jesus Christ? And if we're not, we're missing an area of the calling that God has given to us. So our first main point here is that God has called us all to do this. We want to just emphasize the point that this isn't something that's just special for pastors. But we also want to say, this is the second point, is the truth that some Christians are called to service as pastor teachers in the church. And as we prepare to uh, recognize Pastor Nick's calling as a, a pastor teacher uh, in, in God's church and for this church, we recognize the fact that all Christians uh, have calling. And we don't want to say, well, yeah, but this is the, you heard this, there's a higher calling. Some have the higher calling. Well, that makes it seem like, well, other people have a, like a lower calling. You know, this is the real calling, and you have the lower calling. Um, so, <laughs> 
really don't like that language, but it is true that pastors do have a unique calling. I think that's, that's fair to say. It is unique, and there is, um, uh, God puts us all in places of strategic importance, and this is true for pastors. Pastors are called by God, and they're called through local churches. There are people that say, well, I have this calling to be a pastor. Well, maybe you think that, but until an actual local church actually calls you uh, and confirms that, um, maybe that's just something that you feel, and it might not be the real thing. So there's this part where it comes from God, and there's a part that hopefully does, you know, you feel that in your heart. Uh, This is true for kind of any calling. I mean, you could have a calling to whatever, you know, career, but if you never get a position doing that, well, maybe it's a desire, but it's not really a calling. Uh, So the local church, we also call pastors, and we recognize this calling, and that's part of, that's what we're doing here when we uh, ordain Pastor Nick at the end of this, this service. And so we think of what it means to be a pastor teacher, what it means to be, to be a shepherd. And as we think of this and we remind ourselves of what this means, um, I just want to pull out a few things. And in a way, this is a, a charge to, to Pastor Nick that we all get to, to listen in on as we think about um, what pastors are called to be. And a, a great part of Scripture to help us think through this is when the Apostle Paul, in Acts chapter 20, and I encourage you, if you have scripture, um, or if you grab the pew Bible in front of you, turn to Acts chapter 20, because this won't be all on the screen. Um, But here, the Apostle Paul is um, giving his his last speech to the Ephesian elders before he heads to Jerusalem. And he knows it's not going to be great when he gets to Jerusalem. Okay? And pastors are elders, Okay, so this is a word that he's talking to these people that are elders in, in this church. And I want to pull out, there's more than these things, but there's at least these seven things that I think we can draw from. Specific things he says to these people, uh, but also examples from Paul in his life as, as well. So starting with verse 17, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. I think first of all there, one thing that we see from Paul's example is just this example of humility. And even before we get into some other things, I think this this needs to be stressed. if um, we're, we're called to be pastors, or if there's someone else you're listening to this and you aspire to be a pastor one day, we shouldn't think of this as, oh, I want to be the guy on stage. I want to be the guy that everyone listens to and all this. Paul is saying that he served the Lord and sought to serve the Lord with humility. This needs to be the attitude for all of us and needs to be the job for pastors. You think what a shepherd is? Uh, back in that time, a shepherd was not a glamorous job. This was not the, oh, there's the, 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 the mighty people on this, and on the top of the heap, there's the shepherds. And the shepherds were considered lowly. You know, we're, we're serving the sheep. We're taking care oftentimes of, you know, somebody else's sheep. Um, and that's what we are doing as, uh, as pastors of God's flock, of Christ's church. This isn't ours. This is his. And we are called to be humble. We're called to, um, to be lowly, to remind ourselves of this. 
to remind ourselves that we are the, the biggest sinners in the need of the most grace, and it's by the grace of God that he calls us to this. And to be a shepherd at the time, you were, uh, this wasn't this cushy job. You're out in the elements, you're smelling like uh, sheep, and uh, it, was, it was a humble thing, and that needs to be the attitude that we, that we cultivate in our hearts and our lives. And then it goes on. What, how are we supposed to serve? How are we supposed to help the sheep Verse 20, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testified to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction awaits me. But I do not account myself, I don't account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish the course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. It's a huge part. And the, the great thing about saying this to Pastor Nick is I know he knows these things and he believes these things. And we, when we affirm him as pastor, we know that this is his heart and his mindset. That his job is to feed the sheep. Our job as pastors is to feed the sheep and with the word of God. And it says in this passage, with, with the whole counsel of the word of God, you're proclaiming this. He called them to repentance and faith, turning from sin, turning to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, trusting in him alone. And we talk about the whole counsel. We mean this, this entire book from Genesis to, to Revelation. We're not cutting out the parts that, that we don't like. We're not skipping over the parts that we think, well, uh, you know, this is going to get us in trouble with people listening to this, and they're not going to appreciate this as much. There's some things that are controversial, some things that are not you know, politically corrupt, or I won't be considered woke if I teach them this uh, thing. No, we're to teach what God has given us to teach, and that's this word. And we're not to water it down. We're not to change it or dilute it. Um, we're not to preach our opinions. We're to preach God's opinion, because his, his opinion is truth. And that's what people need. So we're to preach the, the whole counsel of the word of God. In another place, Paul warns Timothy and he tells him, he says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, reprove rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And we see that today. So we need pastors that are, that are willing to, no matter how difficult the winds of change are, to keep on teaching the word of God. And as I told the uh, pastors um, at Nick's ordination in the closed session, I said, we need more pastors like Pastor Nick because he is a guy that he is not going to cave. That he is built with, he, he has rebar within him and he's going to stand strong no matter what the winds of change 
come against him. And they will. We need to do this even as great risk. We see Paul had a lot of persecution, and he had to keep on being strong to God's word. Going on, we read this verse 28. It says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, overseers and elders, other descriptions of being a pastor, to care for the church of God with which he obtained with his own blood. One of the things a pastor needs to be is to be alert, to be watchful. The calling of a pastor teacher includes being watchful of yourself and of your flock. I mean, if you are a shepherd out in the field and you have your sheep there and you fall asleep, you're not being watchful, that's the end of your job. And it could mean the wolves get your sheep, but it could mean also that they get you first. Let's say you're, you know, you're out there to steal somebody's sheep. Um, who do you want to take out first? And if you can take out the shepherd, if you can take out the watchman, then you can do whatever you want with the sheep. And so, as pastors, we need to be watching ourselves, our life, our doctrine, all the ways that Satan will come after us. And congregation, be praying for your pastors. Be praying for Pastor Nick. Please be praying for me. I, I need it. I, I want it. I'm uh, without God helping and protecting us. Um, We've seen so many examples. You see in the news over and over again, pastors that uh, their ministries, their, their lives have been destroyed because of compromise in their doctrine and in their life. So we need to be watchful. We need to be uh, for ourselves and watchful of our flock. You know, not self-absorbed, but watching out for the sheep to take, to take care of them. And that also says that in verse 28. It talks about caring for the sheep, and pastors need to do that. Uh, so we're taking care of them. We're uh, looking for the ones that are wandering away. We're, we're binding up the ones that are wounded that need help. One thing that we can do that is different than a, a pastor and sheep can do is we help each other to, to minister to each other as well. Now, maybe there's a way the sheep, when they gather together for mutual defense, they're doing that. But we're equipping each other as well to, to minister and to, um, to, for you to pour into the lives of each other. If you think of it like this, you know, the, the care that we have for each other shouldn't just be like a wheel with a, you know, you have this, the pastor at the center of the wheel and then a spoke that goes out to each person in the congregation and it's just up to us to care for everyone. Uh, first of all, you could be on a certain size. That's just kind of impossible. But it also makes us the center of everything. Is that healthy? I think the way it's supposed to be, we're all supposed to be doing this for each other. It's more of trying to build this big spider web where we're all connected to each other. And that even if uh, one person goes or changes, there's, there's all these connections that we have that we're ministering to each other. And so our job is to help this, this web to, to happen so that we're caring for each other in the life of the church. And this keeps Jesus Christ as the center of everything and not us. Mark Dever once stated this to pastors. He said, brothers, do you think that you will be the last pastor called by your church? Are you leading your congregation towards loyalty to you or to God's word and Christ's gospel? We pastors must be very careful about the loyalties we cultivate in the temporary stewardships we hold. Let me finish up this passage. I have seven things that I pulled out of this, this passage. 
verse 29, he says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things and drawing away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three months I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Pastors are called to defend the sheep from wolves. There are false teachers. There were in those days, there are today. Those that come even in part of churches. Some of them are bestsellers at the Christian bookstores and have the big TV ministries and uh, but also can be just individuals that come and be part of a church and they have their own agendas and their own twisting of things. We're called to be watching out. We're called to be guarding the, the life and the doctrine of, of the church as well. Very serious thing. And we're also called to be an example of the flock and how we, we lead the flock. And now I command you, to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said to himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive that we live lives and we show examples. We show what we really care about, that we're living in service to others, not to, to receive all these gains. And then finally at the end it says, and when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. That we're to be people of prayer, that we're praying for the sheep, asking God to do what we can't do, because ultimately it's about him and his work in the lives of people. Anything good that comes to the sheep in your flock comes from God. He is, he is the hero of the story. He is the head of our church. So we finish this. You know, in this series, we've been wanting to, to reject this idea that God only cares about, about spiritual work, okay? And if we think about it in the right way, everything is, is, is spiritual when we realize that God is working in and through us for the good of others and that God is glorified in it. So this does mean that all of your life matters. Your, your job that you do 40, 50 hours a week, it matters. God cares about that. You're, you're helping others through this. Your, your everyday work is meaningful to God. But this message also shows us that, that part of your calling is to minister in and through the local church for the mission that God has given the local church. So yes, your everyday work is meaningful, uh, but don't neglect this calling to make disciples. This, this redemptive call that he gives us to build the body of Christ, to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see both in the life of Christ. I mean, Jesus was a carpenter. Okay, he built things, and that, that was good. But we should thank God and praise God that Jesus didn't just come to, to nail wood, but that he was also nailed to wood for your salvation and for mine. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you for the redemption that comes through Jesus Christ and that your church is bought by his blood. And we think of the sacrifice and what he did to save us. We realize how awful our sin is, how holy and awesome you are, and how great Jesus Christ is as our Savior. We acknowledge Jesus as the head of our church. We praise and adore him. And we thank you that we have been each and all called to minister and to serve Jesus Christ. 
and evangelism and discipleship, building up the body of Christ for the glory of God and Jesus. We thank you for that. We thank you for each person, the calling that you have in their lives. And we thank you for uh, those that um, we ask you to help us to work together to do that. And as pastors of this church, we ask that you would help us to equip the saints uh, that we can all work together for your glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, the head of this church, we pray. Amen.